This is the Magic Word Podcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the Magic Word Podcast.com. Well, what a lovely ride this has been. And it is continuing to be. I don't mean to make that sound like it's past tense. I enjoy putting out these podcasts, and we are rapidly approaching number 750. Rapidly approaching it. Goodness, time seems to fly so quickly. I have been uh, so busy. I, of course, just got back recently from performing at the Magic Castle. It's been lovely, and uh, that was on the heels of the Winter Carnival of Magic. And there are so many more conventions that are going to be coming up uh, in rapid succession here, and I'll be attending several of those. I think I'm attending about nine different conventions here this year. My intent is to tell you about all those and report on them as I normally do at the convention. I appreciate you guys coming back each week and listening to those reports. I know that you cannot make uh, many of the ones that uh, I attend. You're going to other conventions that will be in your own countries or someplace that might be a uh, a little bit more accessible to uh, where you live. I am just very fortunate and thankful to the Friends of the Magic Word who are the ones who provide their financial support to the Magic Word. And with those funds, that helps to defray our expenses, some of which, of course, are those travel costs and everything associated with attending conventions and, of course, uh, registration and uh, lodging, etc. It seems to mount up. So that's why I really appreciate their support. And if you are thinking about you supporting us and you've got some funds that you might be able to float our way, so this way I can continue to give you such good content week after week, I would greatly appreciate that. If you just go to the magicwordpodcast.com, you will see a little tab there will say how to become a friend of the magic word and there's a short video that explains how to do that very easy but basically if you can uh, pledge uh, from week to week sorry month to month it's not even a weekly pledge but just a monthly pledge that you can go through patreon.com and uh, provide us with uh, some pledge whether it's going to be five ten dollars or more twenty dollars whatever that you could afford a month just think about it sharing a, a cup of coffee with me once a month i mean if you're sitting at home and you're having a cup of coffee and i'm there also It'd be kind of cool if you are one of the donors and thinking, well, you know, my five bucks this month is going towards a cup of coffee uh, as if I'm sitting here with Scott having a cup. So uh, I would appreciate that. Or you can make it just a one-time donation. Uh, and there are several who do that through PayPal. There is a place on the podcast page there as well that you can just click on and give a, a one-time donation. If I see you at Magic Conventions, I certainly accept cash. And I'm so thankful to so many people who do from time to time give me uh, donations and uh, give me uh, cash or uh, some sort of a even a, a gift card which is helpful then as well in fact when I was recently at the Magic Castle, Hiram Norman, who is one of the friends of the Magic Word, who has supported us uh, for many years, saw me and gave me a Dunkin' Donuts uh, card so I can <laughs> get my fix whenever I get to the airport. As many of you know, you're listening to my reports, how I do enjoy my Dunkin' Donut and a hot black, a hot cup of black coffee to get me started from the airport in the morning to get on my Magic Carpet. Anyhow, thank you guys very much for uh, providing that. And as I said, uh, we have uh, a lot of content. Each time I go to a convention, I have an opportunity to sit down with somebody different and talk about 
magic. And so I have a lot of conversations that are in the can, if you will, so that are there in queue because I have these daily reports that are coming out during the conventions that kind of get pushed back. So I have uh, quite a few that are going to be coming up over the next coming months, not just reports, but also uh, some of these conversations that I've had. I'd like to have these conversations to be rather uh, generic or uh, not time sensitive necessarily. So if somebody is wanting to talk about something that they're going to be performing someplace next week uh, or whatever by the time that it's released, the podcast is out of date and you would have already missed that. So we don't necessarily talk about things that are coming up or has a a time-sensitive element to it. These are more conversations about things. And that is... uh, Something also, when I, I do travel, I get out to uh, South Lake Tahoe on uh, some regular basis every year or two. And when I do, there are a lot of magicians who are uh, performing out there. One person who has been performing there the longest, uh, well, Tony Clark has uh, been uh, doing things since the 90s. And a little at a time, as he has uh, gotten away from performing there himself, on such a regular basis, he has been producing other shows and other magicians' shows. And in particular, he had gotten uh, our guest today started, and that is Alex Ramon. Alex uh, and I have uh, been friends for a long time because I had first uh, uh, talked with him, oh goodness, a long time ago when the circus had come through town and he was the uh, ringmaster. And th- uh, that was I don't know how many uh, decades ago it seems like. Boy, time flies, as I said. But he has been uh, working here, uh, I say here, there at the... uh in Tahoe for uh, since 2011, and not just as uh, part of a variety act, but really more with a long-term contract and doing a whole 90-minute show uh, where they love him so much they keep extending the contract. And so he has had what we'd call a residency at these particular hotels. And I say particular hotels, he has uh, performed in every one of the casino hotels in uh, South Lake Tahoe. South Lake Tahoe is a very unique city where it is on the state line of California and Nevada. So on the Nevada side, that's where they have the gambling with the casinos and the showrooms and everything. And then quite literally across the street is more where you have, I guess, uh, hotels and uh, restaurants. And it's a, a completely different vibe. I mean, when you cross just Across the street, it changes significantly, materially, from one place to the other. It's a very interesting place. So if you haven't been to South Lake Tahoe, it's it's a wonderful vacation spot, and it's good for any time of the year, whether you like to camp or uh, go fishing or play golf or if you like a boat ride it's a great place out there if you just like sightseeing or you want to relax um, see the pine trees and uh, just the beauty you can if you're a snow skier like I am I just love uh, snowing Heavenly Valley is, is tremendous right there and so there are a lot of things a lot of snow sports to do whether it's snowboarding snow uh, mobiling uh, or skiing a lot of stuff to uh, to do out there and uh, good restaurants uh, it's uh, high end low end. It's, it's great. And then, of course, then you have the shows that are going on. And there's a lot of magic that happens uh, in South Lake Tahoe. And we talk a little bit about that in this particular episode here. So again, if you get a chance then to uh, go out to South Lake Tahoe, you'll probably catch Alex at some point because he's been there for quite some time. And I say you might catch him because he's also been on uh, a little bit of a tour. And he's going to talk about that a little bit here in this episode. We spoke, first of all, uh, some years ago that 
was almost a decade ago. And at that time, uh, Alex had so much to say, we split it up into two episodes. Well, I, we're coming back to revisit because he has done so many more things since that in the last 10 years at his tender young age and, and is continuing to do and to uh, develop such a repertoire of magic and also a following and a fan base. And he talks uh, a lot about that uh, here this week. And because we did have such a lengthy conversation, I've decided to split this up into two conversations or two episodes. So you'll have one this week and then one next week. One of the things that we kind of hint at this week, and we are going to be talking in more depth next week, is his thing he called Cold Shock, which was where he actually was in Lake in the lake itself, Lake Tahoe, during the wintertime, and how he had prepared for that, and what cold shock actually means, what that term actually means. Uh, but uh, this week, uh, leading up to that particular uh, conversation, he talks a lot about what he's been doing during the uh, COVID situation. And uh, he was going to be doing 35 and 35, which was going to be 35 shows in 35 cities. And uh, then that kind of got put on hold, but he was able to do that live on Zoom through streaming. And as a result of that, that it really kind of pushed him to be creative and to look for more material because uh, every show in his 30 in 30 in 30, he was doing different uh, different tricks every night, and uh, people were just tuning in to see what's he going to do that's different here tonight. Anyhow, that that is... This is an inspirational episode. I think it's something that not only talks about how that he has, uh, what, what, what he, that is Alex Ramon, has accomplished, but also it's encouraging for other people, I think, to kind of learn from how he has grown and how he makes the best of it. I think it's interesting to note that although he didn't know anything about Zoom, like many of us didn't at the time, but then quickly got up to speed to the point where he went from zero to 100 fairly quickly. So he had one year that was over six figures that he made, and he talks about that then too. And so there's money to be made, and still, that he, he does. But he's got another thing that he's working on that he's doing now where he's uh, starting to travel across the country, similar to the uh, 35 and 35, in which he it will be performing in people's homes, or it'll be anywhere from theaters to your garage, <laughs> you know. Anyhow, uh, he, he will be getting into all of that as well. This is just a, a very fascinating uh, episode, and as I said, we kind of split this in half, so there will be uh, more next week in which you'll talk more in detail about his, his cold shock and what that means uh, and, and all of that. Before I introduce him, I do want to point out one more thing, and that is during the course of our conversation, we were talking about a couple of books that he was recommending on how to build your fan base and how to interact with them. And those two books uh, he, that he recommended are on the website for themagicwordpodcast.com. If you go there, you can click on those and it will take you to your Amazon account to uh, look at the information on that, and if you're interested, then you can order as well. And I do encourage you, if you cannot support us with your financial pledge or with a donation, uh, you can help us whenever you purchase anything on Amazon. Uh, again, if you can click on those books. If you buy those books, then a few pennies get floated our way from Amazon. If not, 
that, then if there are other things you're looking at, then perhaps uh, you and you buy something, then uh, we will get something off of that then as well. If you're just shopping Amazon in general and getting ready to go there, I want to remind you of that graphic that we have on every page of the magicwordpodcast.com. Go to the bottom of the page and there'll be a, a little graphic that'll say we're in, we are an affiliate of, for the, of Amazon. And when you click on that, it will take you to your web page or rather to your account, hopefully. I believe it's set up to do that. And whenever you buy something, again, we get just a, a little bit of love back from uh, Amazon. So that's very helpful to us then as well, if you will do your Amazon shopping through the Magic Word podcast. Well, I think that's enough for me right now, kind of telling you about how this all came about and kind of what's coming up then as well. So please welcome my guest this week, Mr. Alex Ramon, here on the Magic Word. As some of you might recall, uh, many years ago, in fact, in, back in 2014, we had a two-part episode with uh, Alex Ramon. Uh, that was uh, number, I believe, 136 and 137 episodes. And, of course, now we're well into the 700s. And so that was quite a, a while ago. And this young man at the time, who was, I believe, about uh, 29, is uh, now a little bit older and uh, more mature. And he's got some more experience, I think, that uh, warrants us going back and having a second conversation because of the things that have happened, including winning uh, uh, Foolis on Penn and Teller Foolis, as well as other kinds of things. He's still performing, but back then I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that two-part episode because that was back when he had just finished his run as a ringmaster uh, with Zing Zang Zoom and also was with uh, Magic Fusion uh, here in uh, Las Vegas. We're actually then right now in Lake Tahoe in his theater uh, where he is performing regularly for performing nightly, uh, but he has uh, also uh, during COVID, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that he was doing in, during that uh, lockdown period in which at that point he was uh, doing a thing called 35 and 35 in which he did 35 nights and 35 uh, different shows nice different tricks every night and we'll talk a little bit about that and then whenever he had started this open this theater back in 2021 he also did 37 and 37 in which he was doing 37 consecutive night shows in 37 different cities around the country not just in one state or wherever he was touring around and he's got something like that coming up then again soon so i'm just want to give you a little bit of background about what we're going to be talking about as well as some of the uh, business suggestions and marketing ideas and things that he has done to get him to where he is today that might be a benefit then to you as well so enough of that introduction here we are with my good friend alex ramon hey there alex hey, how are you buddy that, that, you have a really good memory <laughs> i was like do you remember the episodes and how I mean, that's impressive so I'm already... <laughs> yeah, I believe it was January the 14th of 2014, I think. was. Jeez, was that. that's a really so. good memory. <laughs> you know what, though? Now that you say that, I kind of feel like that's right. I feel like, yeah, early January 2014. Yeah. Um, sounds about right to me. So. And you were working at the time, it was Horizon, and of course yeah. now we are at Harvey's, and the name of this theater is called what again here? It's the Harvey's Cabaret in South Lake Tahoe. Okay. Um, I've performed and had, I've had residencies in Lake Tahoe the better part of the last decade. And um, from seven nights a week to currently I'm doing five nights a week. Um, I've had residencies in every casino here at the lake, uh, four, four properties. Um, and You're I'm Mr. Tahoe, really, aren't you? I'm, it's what it's <laughs> turning into me. Um, you know, the, the move to Harvey's, I performed at Hard Rock for about two years. The past, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe almost a year ago, I was at Hard Rock for about two years. And then Harvey's 
called me up and they said, um, mm -hmm. we'd like to move you to the Harvey's Cabaret because they closed this theater and this theater was closed for about two years. And that's the time I was at Hard Rock. And then um, summer of 2022, right before summer 2022, they asked me to come over to this cabaret theater. And there's a rich history in Lake Tahoe of magic. I mean, Lake Tahoe is just a really nice um, town for magic. They've, it's always mm -hmm. done well that here, and the audiences love it. It's, it's a good family destination spot in which it's a, yeah. a beautiful resort. Summer, winter, fall, winter, uh, spring. There's something always to do. Oh, you Tahoe, know, skiing and boating and man, hiking. You, and you cannot beat a Tahoe summer mm -hmm. in any way. You can yeah. maybe come on par. But you can't beat a Tahoe summer. There's just so much here. Um, but it's still a small town. Yeah. And so I've had residencies all over for the last, last decade, like I said. And now it brought us to Harvey's, where I'm here five nights a week. I have an open-ended run. And it's it's going great. It was a really nice move. It was a really light, nice um, partnership to move from Hard Rock to here at Harvey's, which is a Caesars property. They're both Caesars property? So they, yeah, well, you Caesar kept under the same umbrella? No, actually, Harris and Harvey. So there's four properties in Lake Tahoe. Harris and Harvey's are sisters, are, are owned mm -hmm. by the Caesars Entertainment. I see. Hard Rock was some something different. And the Valleys, yeah. right? Okay. I know those have gone through different changes because uh, yeah, all the time they had Blue and of course Horizon and Caesars was over Caesars, there. Caesars, mm -hmm. yeah, all, like, yeah, yeah. So there's been a lot of. I would say Harris and Harvey's have been the only the only properties that have been pretty yeah. consistently the same. <laughs> So when, uh, when did you first work uh, at Tahoe, Lake Tahoe? The story goes, in, no, in summer of 2011, mm -hmm. Tony Clark had, well, let me start by saying this. Tony Clark ran his show, Fantasy, yes. at the Horizon in South Lake Tahoe for about five years in the late 90s. Wow. Then he closed it, and then he reopened and did some shows and produced some shows uh, throughout the first decade of the 2000s. And then I got off tour with Ringling Brothers Circus, and I went to create my own show. And then summer of 2011, I had just been about six months off the circus. Uh, Tony had a show producing here at, which is now Bally's, and he had me come in and, and, and do fill a spot. I, I, it wasn't contract. It was filling in because somebody had to It was a out. variety. I mean, there were other magicians. There was about four other magicians. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, I popped in. I did a week, I think, maybe two weeks with him. And I just kind of reconnected with Tony. Tony has, I've known him since I was a teenager. It helped me. I did workshop with him with the Doves. And he's always been so supportive and a great friend. And I mean, amazing magician, just really smart. I can't say enough good things about Tony Clark. Mm -hmm. And... So after that run, I saw him at Magic Live, which Magic Live, you know, in Vegas, I had told him, hey, I want to talk to you when we get to Magic Live. And he said, okay. Because we had lunch up here during that run and mm -hmm. just saying, how you doing? What are you up to? And at Magic Live, I told Tony, I said, I want you to open my show. I want to open my show in Lake Tahoe. So put me in Lake Tahoe. Because I didn't know any other way to do it. I yeah. said, put me in Lake Tahoe. And Tony's like, okay, well, let's see. And Tony had always done, whenever he produced shows, he always had... A variety of shows. I remember like Gregory Wilson and some other people. It was like magic on TV kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, TV magic did. stars. Joe yeah. Ward was in there. Greg Wilson. Chip Lowell. Chip Lowell yeah. yeah, so there, there was always maybe four performers. Eric Buss was up here. Right. Bryson Lang. Um, um, Alexander Gray. You know, oh, there's mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. of guys that have worked at Tahoe and that Tony produced the shows up here. But I didn't want to be in a variety show. I didn't want to be in a bunch of, you know, with other magicians. I said, right. uh, I want to do the show. And he asked, you know, how long are you going to do? I said, well, I'll do, I'll do the 90. Yeah. He's like, you're going to do the whole 90? I said, I, I could do the whole 90. And so um, what ends up happening is I, he saw me do the palace 
in uh, at the castle. I said, come in, see what I'm doing, see what I'm up to. Mm-hmm. Now that show is only what 45, 50 minutes, um, and I was doing a. I was doing two spots and Jim Steinmeier was doing one spot. So I ended up doing about 35 in that particular show. Hmm. And once he saw it, he goes, okay, like this is great. And he ended up putting me in Horizon, which was the same theater he was in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ran there six nights a week for two and a half years. Very, very successful show. Um, We were the number one attraction in Lake Tahoe, inclusive of the mountain, of boating, of other shows, the casinos. We were skiing everything. We were the number one attraction on TripAdvisor and Yelp. Now, was that when you first uh, started to align with Jim uh, Steinmeier and got to be friends with him? Because no. there are so many things in your show that are yeah, <laughs> ideas yeah, that you guys no. have to be tight. Yeah, absolutely. Jim Steinmeier and I first connected when I was probably a teenager in my late teens. Mm-hmm. He came and did a lecture in San Francisco at Misdirections Magic Shop. I met oh, him Joe there. Pond. Joe Pond, yep. Love that guy. Yeah, he's the greatest. That's where I began. So I saw him there and I, I chatted with him just for a second. He wouldn't really probably remember me there. But then I, at 20, I toured with Disney mm-hmm. and Feld Entertainment produced a show called Mickey's Magic Show. Mm-hmm. And that's when mm-hmm. I, I worked with Jim and, and kind of really met with him and worked with him on a production show. And then after that, we did Ringling. And I would say Ringling Brothers, the demand that Ringling Brothers had on what we did, I mean, that's where my relationship and friendship grew with Jim. In large scale, because Jim would usually do things like with Disney. He'd work yeah. with them, of course, on Broadway and yeah. other kinds of places with larger illusions, which totally. had to be seen from totally. the stage. Yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. So the circus, circus, yeah. Yeah, so Circus was so big. It was so massive. I mean, um, and I was 23. Mm-hmm. And so I was a pretty young guy to to be in the position that I was in. You had to be the youngest ringmaster that Ringling has had yeah, ever, yeah. probably since Barnum, yeah. <laughs> you know, days. Yeah, and so well, even Barnum was was a lot older when yeah. he when he first began. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was that's where my relationship with Jim, you know, kind of blossomed. And so after that, I got off the road, and it was funny. It was interesting because during the, Ringling Brothers was a two year tour. Mm-hmm. And the first year, I was just learning and just experiencing it and just going at it. And we got really close, Jim and I, because I talked to him a lot about what was going on. And then I remember in between the first and second year tour of um, of what of, of the Ringling Brothers Circus, Jim had said, you know, I think we should work together. Hmm. And he said that to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's why <laughs> I've been wanting to ask you, how do I do this? You know, and so um, he's like, well, I'll tell you what. Throughout the year, anything that you find interesting, let me know. So I would text him interesting artwork. Okay. I would text him cool buildings, mm-hmm. um, clothes. I would text him, oh, I really like this song. I like this. And he, he basically got to know who I was and my mm-hmm. interest and what I liked mm-hmm. um, over that year. And then we would talk and we'd communicate. And then he would say, what magic, what illusions did you, uh, are you interested in? And I would say, well, what about this one? And we, I would just name certain things. And so by the end of, the, by the end of my second year tour, um, he had a really good sense of, of who I was, my interests, and what I wanted to do. And when I got off the circus, I said, I want, I want to produce my own show, because that's all I knew. Because be, before Disney, because I toured five years straight. I did three years on Disney, straight into Ringling. I what had, you're saying on Disney, was that uh, the cruise Mickey's Magic Show? No, no, Mickey's Magic okay. Show. That was a touring production okay. with Feld as well. I had... I had two weeks off in between closing Disney mm-hmm. and opening, or rather, reporting for um, rehearsals for Ringling. So mm-hmm. I had two weeks. So I went straight in. Yeah. And, and prior to that, I had only done libraries. So prior to Disney, 
I was a library magician and I would do a dove act in libraries. I was also in a variety show in San Francisco on the weekends. So yeah. on Friday and Saturday nights, there was a variety show called Circus Cabaret. I was the dove act, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I was like, I made it. I'm doing my dub act in a variety show, right? you know, on the weekends in San Francisco. I love it. And then during the week I would do uh, the libraries. And so then from Disney, right into Ringling. So basically after five years of touring in a production show, no one was calling me to book me. No one was, I wasn't gigging anymore because mm. I had been gone for five years. Right. So the libraries, some librarians were still there and they'd book me or if they, if I wanted to, mm-hmm. but like I had, I was no longer in that market gigging. I would start from scratch, but yet I had all this experience performing these large illusions. So I went off to decide and I decided to create my own market. I decided to produce my own magic show, my own illusion show. Right. Um, and Jim gave me some really great advice as well. Which was? Which was, if you create your own market, no one can take it from you. Wow. And so what I ended up doing is I kind of centered my whole ecosystem of how I structured my shows, my um, fan base, because mm-hmm. I have super fans that come to see me every You're big single on social time. network. Well, it's not that I have a big social media following, okay. but, the, the, but the followers I have all have one-on-one experiences with me and know me. Okay. And so um, it's, there's, a, there's a great book called Blue Ocean Strategy that talks about this. Um, and also Pat Flynn talks about a thousand super fans. You know, a thousand super fans are better than a hundred thousand fans. This rings a bell. I think we may have talked about this some time ago. So you've been living with that for a long time. I oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, like I said, this, this was 10 years ago that, yeah. that kind of shaped my career in the, way, the direction that I went. So I, that's what I knew. So I went to produce my own show. I didn't want to gig. I didn't want to be, I, I didn't want to be the entertainment at an event. Mm-hmm like most magicians and right. entertainers are gigging. Correct. Correct. They're the entertainment at the event. Right. I wanted to be the event. Oh, that's a completely different way it's of a looking different, at things. It's a different, and it's also a different product because when mm. you are the event and people are buying tickets to see you, mm-hmm. they write reviews about me. Yeah. And if my reviews are bad, then no one's going to buy tickets. Mm-hmm. If you gig and with an agent or whatever it is and someone doesn't like you, maybe it might cost you a little bit. You know, maybe they won't book you again or whatever. But it doesn't actually ruin the product necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe for that particular agent. But it, it is a different thing. And, it, and there's many people who are, are great at gigging and they're right. great at corporate events. But they are not a ticketed show. And if, you, if someone bought a ticket to their show, they would, it would fall flat. Mm. And I say this with respect to other performers because I know what I'm good at. Right. I can do corporate events and I done, I've gigged, mm-hmm. but the best corporate events and gigs that I do are when Google does like a buyout and they go, we want your show in this theater. Like we did a Google event over right. here and it was like, I was like, okay. So it's not in conjunction with another event. They actually would go to a specific a venue. theater to get yeah. me as right. an Yeah. Right, right. And so it wasn't like I was just on a ballroom doing, doing magic, stand-up magic, which I have done. I very, very rarely do. I do a handful of those events. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, most of my career at this point now is ticket sales, and um, in conjunction with ticket sales is merchandise sales. So I kind of have two businesses running. It's a performance business, mostly based off of ticket sales, also based off of if I'm doing corporate events and gigging and and some others. But that's such a, that's a small piece, and then the retail business. I think it's so brilliant. Also, the kinds of things you do with the merch, and I do want to talk about this a little yeah. bit later. I want to, uh, for example, the uh, dog that you have yeah. uh, with MJ having uh, a doxy yeah. uh, of having uh, pins that you're giving away. Yeah. But if you want to give a donation, yeah. that you can. Yeah. You know, and of course, giving stickers and things that you do because. It's like gift magic. You're, yeah. You know, it's not necessarily you're giving something hoping to get it back, but you know, people remember you. It's like what a nice guy. You know, he's giving well, it away. I th- but. I, well, 
here's kind of um, I had it was interesting. I I find this story kind of fascinating. When I in 2020, I did a bunch of virtual shows, right? And we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, why we're here. <laughs> yeah. I did a bunch of virtual shows, and I did over 300 virtual shows in 2020. And I'm not, um, you know, I, I don't mind saying that um, I made easily over six figures in 2020 doing virtual shows. Yeah. How many other magicians should say easily? Yeah. And so <laughs> now I work my butt off because sure. I was doing over 300 shows. Mm-hmm. So my typical summer schedule, I, I, I didn't, I didn't stream on Mondays. So I would do two virtual shows on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I would do four on Saturday and two or three on Sunday. Okay. And I did that throughout the summer. And then, and then maybe it cooled off once, you know, things happened. And a cool thing about that was as well, as I recall, is that they were free, but with donations there again. Isn't that right? Yeah. Or? Well, I, I never say free. Oh, thank you. I never say free. Free <laughs> At is, no cost. Yeah. Free, free is not in my vocabulary. Um, I don't perform for free. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll perform at no cost. But it doesn't mean that I'm not getting something out of it. Yeah. Free is cheap. And it's psychological. It's, it's free. It's like... It's it's a it's a something cheap. Oh, this is free. There's no value to it. Right. You can toss what it. I do when I perform at no cost. People know this is valuable, and then as opposed to going, oh, I'm doing it for free, then they don't value your time. But if you're doing it at no cost, I said it's no cost. Don't worry, I'll do it. No problem. Yeah. They go, oh, he's doing us a favor. Yeah. When you do something for free, it's not a favor. It's just there's no value to it. So I'll say – so a lot of times and, – and that's how actually some of the structure happened in, on my touring, my touring um, formula. But, but I, I did want to tell you this. What made me think of uh, the, mentioning the virtual shows is I was doing virtual shows. This guy called me and I asked him um, after he, I had done a virtual show for him and his family and then I was doing this big – at the end of the year, 2020, I was doing this, this virtual show called Magic 10. And I had over a thousand devices uh, registered to watch all over the world. Hmm. And they all registered. And we had, when, when you have a thousand devices registered, that's thousands of people watching. Because right. most of right. the time, it's two and three and four people watching on one device. That one device, right. So there was thousands of people all over the world watching this particular show. And so what I ended up doing is I selected a few people that I'd done virtual shows for in the past. And I said, would you intro me? I'm going to give you an intro. I want to record you. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a regular person, a regular person. And so I, I, I text the guy, one of the guys, I I text about maybe half a dozen people Mm -hmm. and I text the person and I said, Hey, can you, do you have a second to chat? And he texts me back. Like I'm the magician that he booked or he didn't book, but he, I did the virtual show for in the summer. So then he texts me back and he goes, yeah, yeah. Well, anytime call me. So we we talk and they go, Hey man, how you doing? He goes, good. I go, well, look, I'm doing the show. I would love for you to invite your friends, the people who had a good time at the virtual show this summer. I'm doing this big show, uh, at the end of the year streaming, uh, but you have to register. So I would love for you to invite those same people and tell them to invite anybody else. I'm going to give you all the invitation. I'd love you to host me and I'm going to record you doing intro. And he's like, Oh my gosh, they'd love it, of course. (laughs) And so what you're doing, what I'm doing is I'm hacking people to become my apostles. Wow. And so what I'm doing is, as opposed to just saying, hey, come see my show. Mm -hmm. When I reach out to them directly and I said, hey, I want you to host my show. And they go, what does that mean? That makes you a special person. And that makes you special. I chose you. And so then what that does is it means that they are now tied to the success of the event where they are going to want to invite people right. to watch. Right. That ensures my audience. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing is after we have this conversation, he said, hey, can I, can I ask you a personal question? I said, yeah, sure, whatever. He said, you know, after the virtual show, me and my wife, we, we've seen magicians, you know, all for years. We love magic. And, yeah. and, you know, Copperfield had his kind of, 
you know, thing. And, and, and Chris Angel has his thing with the goth and the, the whatever. And we just caught thinking about you. And we're like, well, what, what's Alex's thing? And I said, oh, you're asking my brand. Hmm. And he goes, yeah, yeah, we couldn't put it into words. Yeah, he goes, yeah, right. what? I go, oh, you want to know my brand? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your brand? And I go, I'm talking to you on the phone. Yeah, the personalization. And he goes, I go, see, I'm not just a magician. I'm your friend that's friend. a magician. And now the only magician you're ever going to talk about is me. Because you're now friends with that guy. Because I'm now friends. That's right. And so even now, if you notice in my show, when I pitch my tours, I say, text this number. Mm-hmm. Right? They're texting text this number. number. Well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's a, yes, it, it goes to my device. Yes. Let's say <laughs> it's that. not my personal number, but it does go to my device. And so I tell them that. And I say, and I, and I actually had this hard, this, this dilemma because um, I was talking to my girlfriend about this because we're scaling and I have thousands, I have 10,000 people now that have just been that a part number, of this. Yeah. That now it's scaling, it's hard to individually text all these people. But I don't want to lose that personal touch. Mm-hmm. So right now, I have a different service that we're using. We're transferring services, and we, it's a big pain in the butt. But it was very important to me that I made sure that we didn't lose that touch. Because when I pitch the number and I pitch the tours up on stage, I say, hey, text that number. I go, it's going to go to me. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, you'll get a text from me. Right. And that makes all the difference in the world. It's one of the first things you do in the morning, I guess, after you kind of go through those texts. Yeah, usually in the afternoon is, the, yeah. is, the, is kind of like you the window. You set time aside just for that kind of a thing. Yeah, well, and I have, really and, I, and, then, and then people still text me all the time. And so it's, it's um, you know, I do, I, it, it is a lot of work to keep up to date with it. But you know what? Pe- people, people scroll aimlessly on Facebook anyway. Yeah, so true. it's like the texts aren't really long paragraphs, but it's like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, do this. Do that. And so it's very, very – right. Um, but, but there's an exchange there. And people I, – I try to be very, very um, – I took – for better or for worse, I took off social media for almost all last year. Hmm. Almost all last year. I think I posted 12 times last year, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe 10. Hmm. And um, – you know, I just didn't, I was over it because I was doing all these other things. I was doing shows, I was texting people and all these things. I just off social yeah. media. So now I actually restarted, um, you know, relaunched my social medias and my YouTube channel. And uh, we post every day. We shorts every day and reels every day. And when people respond, I respond right back. But to I them. think it's very important that you actually, the, the point you'd made a couple things, uh, several things, but one is using no cost. And so I think if everybody mm-hmm. thinks about that, there's an inherent thing because when you use the word cost, there is a cost, but I'm giving it to you at no cost. Right. I just want to back track a little bit sure. so that way the people who are listening to this have that as a takeaway that is a very positive thing that i think i want to emphasize that that's makes crucial sure that. very crucial to know that it's no cost if you're going to be doing something because that has to do like with charity events as well saying hey mm-hmm. this is not to do a free if can you you know can you get, donate time well donate time is a little bit different than as well i think no cost you know i really like that next thing that I, I think it's important to to highlight and i don't want people to gloss over is is what you were talking about the importance of friendship people like to do business with friends yes and that's the thing like with working with trade shows yes it's a corporation you're working for you're trying to pitch the product when you're trying to stop people on the trade floor uh, trade show floor but you have to be friends with the person who is hiring you in the marketing department or the president or whomever is is going to be there and and also if you're going to be doing corporate events of being friends with the person who is the booking within that company their secretary or whoever it is right personal assistant or somebody the point is that they will want to call you back because you're friends that's how you get the repeat business uh, all the time because again friends like to do business with friends so by you having that touch and that's your brand, yeah. then uh, you know, think about that. I mean, that your brand should well, you be know, something. You know, what, 
there's this old, I guess, philosophy that the entertainer and the star has to be, you know, on another level, untouchable. Don't see the star before the show and this mystique around it. That is played and no one buys it anymore. And the reason why no one buys it anymore is because you can tweet, you know, at Bruno Mars. He's a bad example because he's not on the socials that much. But like you could tweet Ryan Reynolds and he'll respond back, Hmm. you know. Who are you to think that, oh, you're, great, you're, you're more famous, more popular than Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. and then they respond to people? You know, it just, yeah. it's just silly. And so um, that's just my personal opinion, yeah. is yeah. that you, know, you need to be accessible, and that's what people are paying for, and that's why people follow your socials, and that's why people watch your stories, and, and that's why people want to do business with you. And, and that's why I have, if you look at almost all my reviews on Ticketmaster and or Yelp right now, tons of them. Mm-hmm. I would say half of them. Say, I've seen Alex four times. I saw him again. Update on the review. Just saw him again. Yeah. And when people leave and I stand, spend time with the meet and greets, and those meet and greets last, sometimes my meet and greets last over an hour. My show's mm-hmm. 85 minutes, 90 minutes, um, and then the meet and greet might be another hour on top of it. You and spend what a lot happens of individual is, time with them. 100%. Absolutely. And, 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 and the reason why is because those people who wait in line for it, who are seeing me for the first time, they're like, oh my gosh, this is taking forever, right? Mm-hmm. And then once they get up here, I'll talk to them. I'll ask them where they're from. Did they have a good show? I'm not going to rush them, push them off and rush right. them. And then the people who have seen me before wait in line. They know that they're having a conversation with me. And um, I think that happened um, when I was a kid. I was probably 15 years old. I went and saw a very popular, famous magician. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I had a chance to meet the guy. And... Um, I was like, I, I had this magazine, the Magic Magazine. To get I was waiting. Signature. I waited at the end of the sit, got the signature. I want to ask him a few questions, and he completely blew me off. Brushed you off. He completely Next blew person. me off. Yeah. I, I paid. I paid. I was I was 15 years old, um, 16. I was 16 years old. I remember. Um, I went to. My parents didn't have a lot of money, growing up, and I started performing. and I started making some money, so I bought my dad and I tickets. Mm-hmm. I paid for the trip to go to Las Vegas to fly to Las Vegas. Yeah, we went to Caesar's Magical Empire. Yeah, we went like all the things, and I took my dad and I was like, "This is my favorite magician. We're going to go see." Yeah, and I had his magazine. I've been talking about it, and he completely blew me off. And my dad was watching there as the guy walked away from me. He signed it. Goes great, thank you, and just walked off. And like, I just remember and my dad said. You know, did, did you ask him everything you wanted to ask? Like, this is the trip. And I was like embarrassed. Yeah. You know, I can look at it now thinking like, oh my gosh, I was crushed because it's embarrassing for my father. But my father was very, very loving and caring just sure. saying, son, did you, is, is the guy? Okay, good. He didn't go, well, my father didn't make a scene. He didn't say right. anything. And that, oh, I was nice. like, yeah, no, I was good. You know, th- no, that was great. That's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course I was crushed. And I remember thinking, I will never do that to someone. Never. And whenever I have a kid come out to the show, it's at the meet and greet, they say, um, they're, they like magic. Right. Oh, I'm a magician. I'm learning magic tricks. I always ask, 100% of the time, do you have a magic trick to show me? Yeah. Because I remember as a kid, that's all I wanted. Right. I had a deck of cards just in case. Because as a kid, you have all these <laughs> ideas and these fantasies that all of a sudden this famous magician, he's on stage, he's going to ask me to do this trick and I'm, he's going to be amazing. And then maybe I'll have be in the show. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, you have all these, and so you want to embrace that that encouragement. It's really encouragement. It's not even like, you know, giving into a kid that or, or or lying to a kid and they have skills when they don't have it. It's just more like encouraging them to keep going. Right. And so, um, and and many times they do. And this one kid, 
um, came to see my show many times, and he just went to um, Tannen's Magic Camp hmm. and won the contest. Oh, how cool! And was with um, Ozzy Wind. Yeah. And Ozzy was spending time with him, and this kid came to my show and got a big interest after watching me. Mm-hmm. And now he come back to my show just a couple months ago. And he's older now. Yeah. And like his chops, dude, this kid is amazing. He's going to be some. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I think so. I mean, yeah. he's, he's really, really great. That's cool. Uh, Evan Mims. His name is Evan Mims. So if you guys want to check him out, he was, he wanted to, I mean, it's, it's incredible. But, but all that stuff fosters. And I think good magic is good for magic. And so, you, you know, there is no contest. There is no competition between guys. There's mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. There, if there's another magic show in town, that doesn't bother me. Right. Why? If they have a good time over there, they're going to come see me. That's if right. you have a good time here, they're going to go see you. That's right. It's good for all, everybody. Yeah. Good magic uh, is good magic. That's right. A um, high tide, I guess, floats all boats. You know? Yeah. So uh, I want to go to, again, the COVID situation because those sure. can uh, go by. I suggest people go back to our uh, podcast I'd recommended uh, earlier, the numbers 136 and 137, for more detail on what you talked about. I sure. mean, but for those who are just hearing for the Alex for the first time, being brought up to date with that. So into COVID, you're doing the 35 by 35, or yeah. in 35, and every night it was a different uh, different tricks and different things that you were doing. But yeah. during that time, you were also planning for cold shock. And I want to really talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that, because we had discussed that a little bit then yesterday, and I'd like to kind of hear you recount that story again yeah. about what cold shock is and sure. what the plan was. So you um, asking about 35 and 35, kind of the genesis of this was I came up with an idea. I did, I'm going to give you the full story because it's a long podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had a residency in Lake Tahoe and I was doing shows five nights a week and I had people all the time asking if I did private events and and gigged, if I gigged. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I really don't. Um, Like I mentioned, I really don't. I'm up here as a, you know, as a resident and I had this, this family said, we really have this event. We really want you to be part of and da, da, da. And I was like, you know what? I can do it. They couldn't afford me. Mm-hmm. So I said, don't worry. I'll just come and do it. I have a day off. I'm actually in the bay. I'll just come and do it. And they go, we'll, we'll, we'll pay you. I go, it's okay. Don't worry. Yeah. I'll do it. No problem. And so I I ended up doing it. I just said, yeah. And it was kind of fun. And, and they just were like, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. I was like, yeah, of course. Oddly enough that particular family now buys tickets to my shows all the time. Hmm. So was it really free or no cost? No. I've made money off those people, right? Yeah. So anyways, um, so I had this idea that I was going to do these pop-up shows. Okay. And also the intention was I wanted to do close-up. I was working on a lot of stuff from via Danny D'Ortiz because although I do mostly stage magic illusions and, mm-hmm. and manipulation and, and escapes and all the other things, I love close-up magic too. Like that's what I do. So my hobby is like Danny Dorty style, like you know, very semi-automatic and psychology and the forces and like all this stuff. Right, it's really right, fun. Right, right. I love, love it. Yeah. But I don't ever have a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, what if I created this idea that I did the pop-up shows in people's homes? But like, you can't just, you know, it seems so glamorous. I guess in Spain, people kind of are okay with someone sitting at a table doing card tricks for an hour. In the United States, it's not really the same thing. If they want that's to hire a magician, point. it's not really that. No, it's, it's cocktail a, strolling or yeah, something. Yeah, strolling, it's close mm-hmm. up, and that's not the same thing. Correct. I didn't want to do strolling. Strolling, you always have to go up to somebody, oh, hi, how you, I'm the magician, whatever. Right. Where him, they it was a theater. You. He mm-hmm. sits down, and he presents, brings people up, and he does it. Anyways, so I was like, I want to do that. How do I do that? Well, I just want to. I can't charge for this because I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. So I did it at no cost. And I was like, hey, pop up. Um, I said, donate 250 bucks to a charity. 
show me you donated, and then I'll show up at your house, and uh, 12 people max. Mm-hmm. And I'll be there for a minimum of 30 minutes. And so they said, okay. And so I would um, go to these people's houses. And I, I, I kind of did one and another one. And then I kind of made an announcement like, hey, if you guys want to interested in these pop-up shows I'm doing, everybody was interested. Yeah. And so what that turned into was this concept for this house tour that I did. And so I came up with this idea. And um, I wanted to do 35 shows in 35 days in 35 different cities. The whole thing was scheduled April 1st through May 5th, 2020. And of course, in mid-March, everything shut down and the whole tour was canceled within like 36 hours. Right. All of them. Yeah. And so I was like, oh. So I had like two weeks before April 1st and I was like, okay, well, I, I have a month off. You know, just like everybody else. <laughs> exactly. That's what you thought. Um, but I also thought, now, my personal opinion was I thought it would take until 4th of July. I said, I bet 4th of July everything was going to go up. But that's still a couple months. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. And so I had a couple days off. Where I was like, great, cool. I'll, I'll just kind of hang and whatever. I have a month off. First time in my career that I had a month off. And so I, uh, I got bored. I was just like, yeah. I'm not bored. I was like, I'm going to do it anyways. Well, how would I do it? I guess I could stream it. How do I stream? I've never even streamed anything. So like, <laughs> then all of a sudden I put everything together and I decided to- But you had some equipment already. You already had some video. No, some, you had nothing. I had nothing. Okay. <laughs> no, green screen, nothing. I had energy. nothing. <laughs> I had my, my iMac. And my first stream ever was the webcam on, and built, into the iMac. built into the iMac. And I was playing audio off iTunes. And like it wasn't a clean because I didn't know how to share audio on Zoom yet. Oh, so it didn't always work. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was just background noise. Sure. It didn't sound come through their speakers. It, it was clean. just really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, you know, and so it's kind of filtered it out as if like it was. Everybody's feeling their way at that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, sure. and that was April 1st. But I made an announcement maybe a day or two before. said, hey, guys, um, I'm supposed to be on tour 35 35. Obviously, it's not going to happen. But instead, I'm going to stream 35 shows in a row. Tune in every day. I'll do a different magic show. So day one, I'm like, hey, and there was like maybe 12 people. Si- no, nah, I didn't, actually, <laughs> I did actually not so bad. I think there was probably like, I don't remember, 40 or 60, somewhere in between there, maybe around 50 devices okay. on my first stream ever. Mm-hmm. And I said, and as you said before, each device might have two or three people watching. Right. As well, oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they're families. Totally. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first stream. I had about, yeah, 50 devices, give or take. And I was like, hey, can you guys hear me and see me? Um, okay. And so that first day, I did stuff that I knew. Mm-hmm. I did card sure. manipulation. I did tournament sword paper. I, did, I don't remember what else I did. But I did mm-hmm. like, just mm-hmm. stuff that right. I knew. Right, right. And then the second day. And so then I'm like, all right, tune in tomorrow. And the fun thing was is I said, hey, today's day one of 35 and 35. I was supposed to be in where, Palm Springs. Uh, yeah. But now I'm here. And then, hey, it's day six. I'm supposed to be in Phoenix. And, like, and so, <laughs> I'm in your living room. Yeah, <laughs> but instead. And, and, but, the, but, the, but the hook was every night I would do a different magic trick and I would repeat a trick. And let me tell you, I got through the first week and I was hurting. I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. I went through the first seven days. And now think about it. These streams were around 45 minutes. Wow. So it wasn't like, was like 20 minutes. Show. Yeah. 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 No, it was like 45. I mean, it wasn't like 90 like here. And are you interacting also with the audience? Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I'm spotlighting people. I'm doing, I'm doing color Monty. Right, I'm like bringing everything out, right? Like, I mean, think about it. You, you sure. know, uh, you know, for magicians, short spring. Yeah, when, yeah, exactly. And so, um, so anyhow, the week two was the hardest week because I realized, oh my gosh, I have to map this out because not only can I not repeat tricks, but in magic, there's very similar plots. That's true. Right, you can't do a tournament sword card, and then, and then the next night do tournament sword paper, right. and the next night do tournament sword tissue, right? You could do tournament restored, but you have to separate them, but at least three, four days. Yep. 
mm-hmm. right? right? Matrix routines, mm-hmm. coins across. Like all, there's a lot of similar, similar plots. Things. Right, right. Predictions. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. How many predictions? Like so, that was that was hard. So in week two, I really had to plot out. All what you're going to do so you're not yeah, over the duplicating next, effects. Yeah, exactly. It's five weeks, and so I had to figure out what I was going to do for the next three weeks. And so I was like, okay, I want to build. So on like day 32, 33, 34, I'll start doing illusions, oh, and I'll stream okay. from my backyard. So on day 34, bigger, bigger. I did my underwater escape. Mm-hmm. I set out my lights in my backyard. I put up a truss like in my backyard and lit it and like – uh-huh. You know, my dad, I was like, dad, you got to paint the cement instead of like concrete. <laughs> we painted the concrete on the ground black. Yeah. So we got black paint. So that way it was not just concrete. Yeah. So it, was bla- it looked like black. I mean, so it was, but the hardest part was I did it every day and it was a different show every day. And I never repeated a trick. I did, by the end of the 35 nights, I did over 150 different routines. Mm-hmm. And I did from water escapes to, like I said, a corner sword string mm-hmm. i did one night that was dedicated to slidini i did on may 4th i did a star wars themed one uh and then because people are tuning in and remember this is at the peak of it and it grew and grew and grew so we had people on the first night 50 devices then it grew to 60 then 90 then 120 then 150 then 200 and 300 device and so it really grew over the year mm-hmm. over the over the month over the years over the month yeah. and um Ooh. it was just an amazing experience and it was also I didn't really jump hard into later because i hadn't heard about it to begin with and then yeah. someone would say hey you got to go check out this Alex. guy yeah. yeah this guy well and then we won uh, a national award on cbs i won an award called the sunny award that was presented to me on uh, national tv called uh for creativity during shelter in place hmm. and they selected i think five or six people that were doing interesting things wow uh, during that during that month, congratulations! And uh, yeah, it was a really it was a really it was an honor and um, and and really, what this did is it just it served me so well because it felt like I had such a connection to these people because it was a time that and I have people that had come see my show and they'll say we tuned into thirty five and thirty five you got us through this time yeah and sure. um, it was something that they looked forward to and the kids because the kids weren't in school they're like the kids is it time for the magic show it's time for the magic show so every single That's night cool. you had a family that had something to do right and. I didn't, and people were during that month. They're saying, "How can we support you?" In the chat, and then I would stay on after the streams, and I would say, mm-hmm. "I talked to them for a little bit." So what ends up happening is they said, uh, "How can we support you? How can we support you?" Yeah, you know, do you have Venmo? Can we Zell you? Can right. you, you know, whatever? And I said, "Just keep watching. That's mm-hmm. all I want. Mm-hmm. Just keep watching." And so then, after the thirty-five nights, my typical morning was I'd get up at like, boy, maybe like eight. 8 a.m. I'd walk MJ, um, and we usually go on long walks like 9 a.m. Then eat breakfast. Then 10 a.m. I'm setting for, or not setting. I'm I'm writing and rehearsing material that I wanted to do later on because there mm-hmm. are routines with sleight of hand that you have to practice and rehearse. I can't just do, oh do it the next day. So I'm like, oh, I wanted to do. Um, Salt and Silver, Giovanni's routine. Yep. But I need to practice mm-hmm. that. Right. I go, I got to practice for a couple <laughs> weeks. So I was like, I didn't do Salt and Silver till like day 33 and was rehearsing on like day eight. Yes. So I'd have to rehearse that every day. Yeah. So that way, it's going in the show in three weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I would rehearse things and try and map things out and get things prepared. And then I would um, build a lot of the props if I needed to make props or do things. Because, you know, a lot of magic today is, is designed for eye candy and the social medias. Mm-hmm. There's not a routine. Correct. A, a one minute or a highly visual magic trick that's five seconds does nothing for me. 
It has no. nothing for anyone except for videos. Yeah. And so I need a routine. I need a script. I need, and there was three people that made, three magicians, three creators that made it possible for me to get through that, that hmm. month. Jim Steinmeier, hands down. Yeah. Conjuring Anthology, the best magic book in history. Yeah. That is the best magic book uh, ever. I'm, I keep bugging him that he needs to make a second volume because of the genie issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Joshua J. Joshua J has plots and premises. Mm-hmm. Interesting and stories. Interesting stories that fill time. Mm-hmm. Sure. They're, they're, they're routines. They're yeah. not just a, a you know, Fully one fleshed out. Yeah. And the other person, just because you need the volume of tricks, Jay Sankey. Okay. Those three guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes I've had Jay Sinky stuff for years and you look at this thing and you kind of go, that's a cool trick. I would never do it, but like, that's a cool trick. I did them all. Yeah. I was like, Sankey, what's the next one? So <laughs> that way, got? because it was a quick visual yeah. as a card trick, boom, 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 a different plot. Interesting. Inter- a button. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cards have the measles, <laughs> like all these weird things. And so it really, it really fit. And, um, at the end of it, uh, I said, hey, I'm going to take a week off at the end of the 35 nights. Um, I'm going to take a week off. I'm going to do my next stream on this Saturday. Please tune in. And they did. And in that week off, I figured out how I was going to do my streaming shows. And they tuned back in. I had hundreds of de- I don't remember, hundreds and hundreds of devices tune in for that next Saturday night. Yeah. So I had a week off after 35 and 35. I was, I was pretty tired. I was pretty exhausted. I imagine so. Because that was my, you know my days were just filled prepping whatever and then we had to rehearse the cues and the music but because you had so much time invested whenever you go cold turkey it's like i gotta get you know i'm jones in here i gotta get something again yeah so then i so then i started something a new show uh or the new stream and i told everybody at the end of the stream i said hey look um this is what i'm up to you Mm -hmm. guys um i'm going to continue to do live streams every saturday night i'll do a different show every saturday night Mm -hmm. um but if you guys think that you would enjoy me performing a virtual show for your family, click this link on my website and it says schedule, pick a date, and I'll stream for your family and at no night, cost. Whenever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a bunch of slots opened. And I just had it on my, my website and it was just like a few, I, I think I opened up like 40 slots. And I was like, okay. And, um, and it was just like on Thursday nights and Friday nights and Saturday afternoon and just like a bunch throughout the summer. And so then my girlfriend at the time was in the UK and she was like, oh, we should do one for my family. I go, yeah, yeah, just find one on the, that works like an afternoon and it could be like a Saturday afternoon here, but it'll be like a Saturday night there. Sure, right. And so she was like, okay, that'd be fine. And, and I said, just click on the, on the scheduling. And she goes, okay, how, where, where? I go, just click on schedule. And we're, I'm cooking or whatever. And she's right. like in the kitchen and she's like, where? And I go, it's on the site. You just click the thing and then updates will pop up and you just pick one. She goes, what, what months do you have them? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like just, <laughs> they were all filled. Really? Within like seven minutes, five minutes. Oh my gosh. So then I go, wait, what? And I looked and I had all, I checked my email. Yeah. I finished the stream. We go inside. Like that was fun. I checked my email. Floods of emails of just scheduling, scheduling, scheduling. That is so cool. So then I was like, ah, so I added more. Those were gone. 80. Added more. 150. Added more. And so it was just people that just wanted to schedule it. Right. And then, of course, as I did them, I'd say, hey, if you guys want to schedule for your own, you're watching this guy's hosting you and invited you. If you want to host me and schedule for your friends and their circles, click the link to schedule. Right. And then that lasted. I still do virtual shows. Um, I've done, I have a virtual show coming up for Instacart 
and um, Instacart. I've done, I don't know how many virtual shows I've done for them and made tens of thousands of dollars from Instacart over the last three years. Well, I thought that was a pretty good place to stop this part of the episode. So again, we will extend this next week into episode two, where we get into more detail about what he was alluding to. But I think this kind of wrapped up this portion of the episode to tell you a little bit about what he's been doing uh, for the last few years and uh, what's led him up to what he's doing now and what he's going to be doing. Uh, But next week, again, uh, goes into uh, a little bit more detail about his cold shock that we keep alluding to. Uh, during this podcast episode. And so I know you want to come back and hear about what he's going to say about that because the story is pretty phenomenal, uh, as well as, of course, the the gems of knowledge that he continues to drop us and he continues to inspire us. So I'm going to uh, leave it there. And also, uh, again, want to remind you, if you're interested in uh, perhaps perusing the couple of books that he had suggested, they are available not only in hard copy, but also in audiobook. If you want to uh, download that and listen to it through Audible, you can do that through Amazon, too. If you let's go to the magicwordpodcast.com for this week's episode, you will see that link link towards the bottom. Just click on that. It'll take you to your Amazon account where you can look into the information on that. Also, I want to uh, remind you if you can do me one more favor, and that would be perhaps if you go to your podcast provider, that is, uh, if you're using iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or whatever you're using, there has to be some way for you easily to go in and to give us a five-star rating as well as a nice comments of whatever that you could say about the podcast. It would certainly be appreciated, whatever you can say and do. If it's not a five-star uh, comments that you could make, then keep listening, and eventually I think you will think uh, you'll see what we're talking about, or go back into the archives and hear what all else that we have uh, provided as far as content over the last decade plus. I'm sure that you uh, can give us a five-star review, and I would certainly appreciate that. So until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember when life gets hard, don't be discouraged, be inspired. This is Scotty out. (laughs) 